Hi, uh, welcome to the 11th episode of Piragaji in Action, the podcast. Um, in the Piragaji project, we collaborate to build the no longer missing guide to all things relevant to successful peer learning and peer production. Um, and I'm Joe Corneli. You've often seen me before as the uh, host of this. This time we have a guest host uh, or a new host, uh, Pete Forsyth, who will uh, be interviewing Leo Vivier. Um, but I'm going to just tell you a little bit about the, the podcast in case you're jumping in at episode 11. The Piragaji in Action live stream video and audio podcast aims to provide an interactive space where participants and audience can explore the philosophies, concepts, contributors, and practical applications of Piragaji. Uh, we aim to keep the discussions informal and free-flowing with some minimal guidelines and generally two or three talking points, um, which we have summarized in some slides for you if you have a video connection. Um, it's live streamed on YouTube, LinkedIn, and Facebook, and also recorded and available on your favorite podcast app. Um, you can find out about this podcast at piercepress.com slash podcasts or puregaji.org. Um, and there's now some archived recordings on our YouTube channel. So with that, um, I'm gonna turn it over to uh, Pete and he can take it from here. Um, maybe we'll come back in, me and Charlotte at the end for some, some Q and A and broader discussion. But anyway, leave it to you, Pete and Leo. Bye for now. Thanks, Joe. So, Leah, we had talked a little bit about the conference that you put together recently for the Emacs community, and uh, and I thought it'd be interesting to hear a little bit more about it, especially now that the conference has finished. Um, so, maybe you could tell us a little bit to get us started uh, about what are the what are the goals of the conference? What are you looking to accomplish with it, and how long have you been doing it? Sure. So, hi, Pete. Uh, hi, everyone else. Uh, Charlotte, Joe, and everyone watching. Um, yeah. Um, so, as Pete said, I, I'm i one of the organizers for EmacsConf, uh, which, as you said, is <laughs> it's in the name. It's a conference about Emacs. And, uh, yeah, I wanted to... Uh, I mean, we, we chatted a little bit with Pete before in uh, preparation for today, and we thought it'd be a great idea to start talking about EmacsConf from a pyragogic perspective, pyragogic, you know, being the objective of pyragogy, which you're watching right now. And yeah, as a result, we thought it'd be pretty interesting for me to talk about my experience as an organizer, since I had more of a uh, facilitator slash uh, organization role within the team uh, of organizers for the event. And as a result, we thought it'd be interesting to maybe talk about how we work together and how we prepare for the next one. And so since you've asked me for dates, so the it's actually a little longer. I mean, it was a while ago when we finished EmacsConf 2020. It was in late November. And recently, we've just opened the call for proposals for the next one, which will also take place on the last weekend of November. So EmacsConf 2020, I believe, will be on the 28th and 29th of November. And there will be at a time which is nice for most time zones. And we'll probably get a chance to talk about it later. So, yes. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Just like I've done a lot of yeah. setup. Uh, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm curious if you could talk a little bit. I mean, I think a conference is a, a familiar concept. I mean, we have them for, um, for various purposes so that people can get to know each other and form working relationships, work on projects, things like that. But maybe you could say a little bit more about what your goals in this particular conference are. Uh, what is the, what's the Emacs community like? Um, and what are people looking to get out of a conference like this? 
Sure. So maybe just to specify first, because yes, now I remember that I did not answer the fundamental question which you asked before, which is what is Emacs? And um, it's kind of granted for a lot of people <laughs> in the field I work on. But uh, Emacs is a text editor, which is, you know, a lot of people use Word or any kind of software that you usually find on uh, Windows computers. But text editors, you know, they come in all shapes and forms. And the shape and form of Emacs to the untrained eye is very Spartan. You know, if you fire it up, it feels like you're back to the 80s. But uh, it's actually a surprisingly well-developed software with many different components working together. You have a calculator, you have the ability to uh, org write notes in what we call plain text, which allows you to organize your day, organize your life, organize the way you work with people. And you have ways to check your emails. You have ways to program in any kind of language imaginable. And all this comes with a text editor, which is called Emacs. And I've been working on it. I mean, I'm not the developer of Emacs. I merely develop for Emacs. But I've been doing this for eight years. And moving on to the second question, which you asked, which is about the community. Well, if you imagine a text editor, straight from the 80s you know it's uh you don't have the neons everywhere like the, like the tron film but you know you still have the very strong nerdy culture around it and whenever you have nerdy culture you think about problems of diversity of other representation of you know uh specific groups of people and so as a result you know the community of emacs we tend to say that it's fairly diverse and the previous editions that we did of the emacs cons kind of reveal this to us because we have people from many different fields. You have authors writing books inside Emacs and they were telling us about, you know, their setup to take the notes and organize the plot and all this. You have obviously developers who use text editors for their, you know, main job, writing programming, uh, you know, programming on Emacs and uh, working for their companies or, you know, working for free software in general. But you also have people, you know, we use, uh, org mode, which is a compo component of Emacs to organize the life like I do. That's how I got started. That's the, uh, the, the hook that got me completely enthralled by Emacs and wanted me, made me want to contribute so much to the code. And so even though the community is diverse, what we wanted to address with regards to the next EmacsCon, but also the previous one, is how do we make the community more diverse under different declensions of the words? Because diversity can be about the job that you do in your life. It can be about your gender. It can be about your age. It can be about your ethnicity and so many different aspects. So I feel like I've answered your question and I'm going to try to be shorter in my next answer. So that can no, no, this is, this is wonderful. <laughs> um, I guess just, you know, getting into what the, um, what the organizing the conference looks like. Uh, so you described yourself as, as the organizer, but I imagine that you know, organizing organizing a conference is not a one-person job. Even if even if there's one central person, uh, surely you have to collaborate with many different people in different respects. You have to uh, maybe you didn't have to get a venue this time if it's all virtual, but um, but you know you have to, you have software and technical questions. You have to build a program. Uh, there are many different pieces to a, a conference. So can you talk a little bit about who else you were working with? And uh, and what those relationships are like is anyone is anyone paid is anyone drawing a salary from working on this is it all purely volunteer? No, it's uh, I mean, 
it, it's good that you asked the question because it gives me the opportunity to um, to say how happy I am to work with this team. I, I joined only for the last edition and I've discovered a group of people, the other organizers, the main organizers, so to speak, who have been doing the, running the show for two or three editions. We didn't have one in 2018, but we had one in 2019 and one two, two years prior. So there were about five EmacsConf total in the last six years. And I only joined for the very last one as well as for the next one. But I work with lovely people who are fairly salient figures in the Emacs community. Uh, we didn't necessarily define the words community, but here I mean just the people, you know, we do have a subreddit. We do have mailing list, which might feel a little antiquated to the younger viewers, but, you know, it's still the, uh, the main way work is being done on a lot of free software nowadays. And as a result, I work with a lot of people. We are about uh, 10 organizers with various degrees of involvement in a project, but we are about four people who meet on a near weekly basis to try to prepare for the next EmacsConf. And I'm happy to mention Hamin Bendali, who is the lead organizer for the EmacsConf, but also Sasha Schwa, who runs the lovely, lovely blog Emacs Life, where she publishes a lot of, uh, of notes about her own experience with Emacs. And she's a gateway for many, many people discovering Emacs into how to do a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff, especially. Sasha is very excited about a lot of stuff and she shares it. Uh, on a block. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that's two of the people I'm working on. Uh, I believe there was another side to the question you were asking. Would you mind repeating it possibly? Well, I guess, you know, what I'm really interested to to hear, and I see, uh, um, I think we have Joe asking a similar question in the chat is, uh, what, are the, what are some of the ways that you need to collaborate with other organizers? So if you're, you know, if you're, as you're, as you're building towards the conference, and then as you're running the conference, uh, what are the th what are the ways in which you need to kind of see what developments are going on in the planning, make adjustments? Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about that dynamic? Sure, definitely. And it's uh, it's actually uh, the main cap that I have for EmacsConf, so I'm really happy to talk about this. So, yeah, I had the, I mean, I had the privilege to help prepare EmacsConf 2020, the last edition, and really we were. I joined about two months away from the conference and so we had two months of you know getting ready so we had the call for proposals we needed to review all the proposals we needed to submit a schedule we needed to make sure that all the speakers would take check okay all the technical aspects which any kind of conference needs to have at least virtual conferences but the thing you really need to keep in mind when you're trying to run an event like this, any kind of conference, and especially online conferences, is that there are so many aspects that need to be worked on prior to the event. Not only that, once the event is done, there's a whole lot more of debriefing that needs to go on so that the next edition can take into account all the aspects. Now, Emacs is free software, and we are, all the organizers, we have contributed in some shape or forms to Emacs. And as a result, I'd say that it has structured the way we approached uh, working together as a group. And so as a result, we tend to have to be very methodical when it comes to preparing the event. I mentioned that we were meeting on a weekly basis. Um, when we finished Emacs on 2020, we started meeting every Saturday and discussing 
well, first debriefing what, what had gone on in the first, uh, in the last Maxon that we did, but also trying to see how we could make the next one better. And so when I send this article, there's obviously the method, method in the schedule meeting every week, but also sticking to a particular mode of debriefing when we do something which is called checking in with people where we make sure that people say where they are at mentally. And then we move on to uh, usually an agenda working on different points, but we always try to gather points throughout the week, whatever we're working on, we gather points and we come to the meeting with all the notes and we discuss them together. We minute the meeting. We're very rigorous about this. And I think that this rigor materializes itself in the way we run the conference itself. Um, I, I say this half jokingly, but in the entire two days of conference, and it's about it's about 20 hours total of conference going from Saturday uh, late in the evening for me, which is early morning for the East Coast, up until the evening in the East Coast and very, very late for me. Uh, you know, we only managed to to be late by 10 minutes over the two days. And I was watching my, my watch constantly, you know, virtual conferences you always need to make sure that people have their gears working that they know what they need to be doing we need to ensure that the tech infrastructure works so it could be a nightmare but it went surprisingly well and i think it's a testament to in a way how well we were organized ahead of time and how uh, well the patterns that we used um actually were and maybe we could go a little deeper into the Spartans since, you know, it's kind of the, the whole aspect of hierarchy in a way. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, as we were talking before, we we were discussing uh, the similarities of, uh, of planning a conference and working on a wiki. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, I, I, I wonder if we might be able to sort of draw out some of those comparisons in terms of, um, you know, on a wiki, one of the main ways that that uh, that a user will understand what's going on. You know, if you if you go away for a day or a week or something, and you come back and you want to see what's changed, you can look at the recent changes and uh, and see which pages have been edited. Um, you know, there are various software features that sort of allow you to see what's going on, and then yeah. various you know features that let you respond to that or make your own impact. Uh, so, yeah. what do you see as similarities with that? It sounds like having your your regular meetings uh, is one part of it and having a blog is another part of it. Uh, but what are sort of the main ways that someone would get, uh, well, someone like you would get involved in planning something like this? How do you gain a sense of, of how everything fits together and what your contribution can be? Hmm. Well, you've mentioned software solutions uh, as in functions that your software provides to be able to do this. But I, I kind of want to be broader about this. Um, it's not only about the solution, it's about the paradigms. You know, being able to track the changes that is being done to any kind of text or any kind of code is kind of vital to the craft of programming. You know, any kind of setting, whether it be the corporate setting or free software, you kind of need to be able to track who did what, if only for credit, but also in order to be able to, you know, try to talk to the person if something needs to be worked on. And so if, as a, result, if a bug sort of shows up, you want to know what you don't want to have to look through 3,000 lines of code. You want to know what changed recently since the bug showed up. <laughs> exactly. And that's the yeah. whole concept of version control history, which is a very big paradigm in programming. Some some of you might know Git, which is the uh, most used tool to track changes 
uh, you might know GitHub, which uses Git in the background. Mm -hmm. But yeah, as a result, it is a complete paradigm which allows you to track what everybody's doing, what work is being done, and you know how the problems are being tackled. And it's especially important when you're doing a conference, an online conference, where we are very open about the process. Because, you know, Emacs is free software, and free software always has an element of openness. But we really wanted, at the end of the last Emacs Conf, to gather feedback from, you know, the people who had watched the, uh, the event. Uh, I didn't give any figures, but we had about 300 to 400 viewers, concurrent viewers, during the entire event. We're pretty happy because we had doubled the number of concurrent viewers compared to EmacsConf 2019. But, you know, when there are more people attending a conference, for the people organizing it and wanting to do this in the most open way possible, well, it does put extra pressure on you because it means having twice the number of feedback to, to consider and trying to account for growth and um, changes in, you know, how do we... How do we encourage diversity? Yes, we are getting more people in. We are doubling the crowd, but the crowd, we're not doubling the diversity if it could be quantified. And so as a result, yeah, it it takes method to be able to do this. What we did at the end of the conference and throughout the entire conference is that we had a pad, an on, on, sorry, an online pad, like, you know, when you have Google Documents open in your drive, you know, you can edit them concurrently with multiple people. Well, we had a pad where we had about 200 people at any time writing questions, taking notes, like for accessibility, you know, Joe, who is in the background right now, was actually taking notes on what was being said so that people who could not hear the uh, conference could actually get a clue of what was going on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, stuff like this, we, a whole lot of the feedback stuff was done in a pad. And what we did during the three to four weeks that followed the conference is that we dissected this entire pad. We extracted whatever could be extracted in terms of diversity, in terms of how did the call for proposal go? Um, how did the tech checks go in? Did people feel stressed before coming live? Was there any kinds of stuff that they would have wanted us to, to cover with them that we didn't? You know, all kind of stuff on any kind any elements of the conference. And as a result, you know, it takes method to be able not only to review everything, but also to adapt your process um, afterwards. And I'll just finish on this, but you know, one of the things that we usually do when we are running conferences is that because you have so many things to think about, you do have checklists which allow you to make sure that you're not forgetting anything so that you don't realize, oh, I didn't tell the speaker to use the microphone or how to come live when they're ready to go. And then you can derail an entire conference just because of this little event. And since we are only using, you know, software solution, which are free software, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of paid solutions for software usually have ways for you to, you know, do jazz ends for a while and be able to tackle a contingency in a very smooth way mm -hmm. but we didn't have this opportunity because for us the software that we use is a little more spartan and we are working on it obviously as we go but we had much less room for uh, mistakes and stuff like this yeah. anyway i've been prating on for a while so i'll be happy to well we did have a we did have a question um 
what can you what can you tell us about sort of the connections in terms of community building between the conference itself and other community aspects of the uh, other ways that Emacs users and developers connect? Um, sorry, could you repeat the beginning? Because I I think you fired me you fired my brain towards a direction, and then I was kind of oh, uh, sure. What was the rest uh, of the just question? about how to, uh, as a um, as a community building component? How does the conference connect with? other building community components of the Emacs world. Uh, you know, you've talked a little bit about the blog uh, and the meetings that you have for, for planning the conference. What else is there that, that builds and sustains community around Emacs? Well, the thing about Emacs, uh, it feels like I've spoken a lot about paradigms today, but there is also an Emacs paradigm. I've talked about the free software, the fact that Emacs is free software and the paradigm within which it exists. But Emacs also within this, whole field of free software is a, a tool that is particularly open. It's like a, a lot of people say that Emacs is an operating system. And what they mean by this is that it supports many different type of stuff that you could do with it. You can, as I said, take notes, you can write code, you can organize your day, you can check your emails, you can browse the web, you can check your RSS feeds, so many things. But the lovely thing about it all is that it's all done under the paradigm of Emacs, which is, think of it as the kernel. And we can actually see, uh, if you look at the, oh, I need to get the, oh, there we go. <laughs> it's really hard. Not disco, I swear. But uh, if you look at the slide on, our, on, our, on my left, not on my right, damn it, it's really hard to do relativity. In the middle of the screen now. <laughs> Thank you. That's a good strategy here. But uh, you know, you have nodes and Emacs is like the node at the very center, and so many things are being linked to it. Actually, just uh, for the anecdotes, what you're seeing on the screen here is uh, Orgrim Server, which is a tool that I've developed. Uh, I, we didn't get the chance to, today to speak to talk about this, but uh, one of my contributions to Emacs was Orgrim, and it's actually the perfect encapsulation of what, uh, what I want, was trying to say about Emacs, because everything is linked to Emacs. Everything can interact you know different modules within you know you have emacs at the center you have modules everywhere everywhere but the thing is because they are linked to emacs any kind of modules can interact between one another and if we step away from emacs for a bit and we think about collaboration in a way it feels like the method the patterns the tools that you have could be this kernel at the very middle and people working together or working between one another are kind of depending on those methods. And personally, I, uh, I've been working with Joe for a while, so I do know about pyragogy, and I've been implementing some of those patterns that you've, you've you especially have worked on into my own work, but also into um, you know the projects that I manage. And I truly feel like Emacs and free software in general are a very good pipeline for us to mobilize patterns, not only that, but also to see how the free software world is actually informing some of the patterns which could be used elsewhere. One of the stuff that we were trying on, and I'll finish on this because I know we are running a little short on time. Um, you know, we've been thinking with Joe and other people inside the Emacs research group about ways Emacs could help, um, you know, the academe or academia in general in producing reproducible research, working together collaboratively with free software. And it feels like, you know, if we could do this with academia, who knows which other fields we could do this with? You know, it could be just the whole 
aspect of working as a group on something. And as a result, I'm pretty inspired about this and I'm pretty inspired about working on this in the future. Okay, cool. that's me done. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so Joe, are you going to come back in? Do you have some uh, show notes to discuss? Or did we want to talk a little bit more about the future of the Emacs conference? Um, uh, okay. uh, hi, yeah. here, here I am. Yeah, so I'm uh, just thinking, yeah, takeaways in general, whether the future of Emacs and and, and, and Charlotte, I hope she'll come in and, and just give some, some comments as someone watching this discussion and what we like and what we find exciting about this particular discussion and all that. So in any order, I'll, I'll happily jump in and just say one thing that wasn't covered in the discussion, but I think is really important to say for the record, is that I've really learned how to program through the Emacs mailing list. I would post things on this mailing list and the people were so generous. They would send back comments say, that was pretty good, but here you can do it better. And so like, actually, not only was that how I learned how to program, that was for me really one of the key foundations of Puragaji because I didn't go to class to learn how to program like that. I did it by this mailing list. So Leo is really a key figure in making that community even better now for the 21st century, right? This was this was a long time ago. So that's one of my takeaways is that community is is doing well and that indeed for me, Puragaji is, is really wrapped up with the max. Thank you for the praise. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm deserving of it, but thank you anyway. <laughs> um, so should I, uh, was there a question for me, Joe, with regards to the future of Emacs or a future of Emacs conflict at any rate, let's not be too broad. Sure. Yeah. I think that was, that was what, that was what was up uh, briefly flying by on the screen when we were talking about other things. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> what would your takeaway be about that? Uh, that'd be a good question. Well, first, maybe to uh, to echo the point that you just said, you know, I also, you know, I was, I discovered Emacs when I was doing my, I was, I mean, I didn't say, but I'm French and I studied English and I was an English teacher for a couple of years, you know, that's just a completely different life in a way. But, you know, I, I've learned how to program on the side of this particular academic gig and it feels to me like I've learned more about working together with this side of my life with programming, with Emacs, with mailing lists, with GitHub, Git, than I have with my traditional courses at university. And I think it's saying something. If someone like me, who had not set out to become a programmer, could somehow feel like I was getting more out of my experience as a programmer than of my experience as an academic studying English literature. Uh, and moving swiftly to the next question. Oh, we're running a little bit of out of time. Should I uh, cover the question or should I end it off to someone else? We have about one minute. Um, I think it's going to be short to talk about the Emacs comps. <laughs> yeah. I, I, Let's I, go to Charlotte and, and Pete for some takeaways. The other comment to put is there will be an after discussion. Let's go to Charlotte to give her a chance, please. Yeah, yeah I just feel like uh, I, I don't know much about Emacs. I, you know, I'm and I don't know much about programming, but I like how you've teased out the methods for keeping people who are maybe engaging at different speeds up to speed. And I think that's in pedagogy, that's very important. Something we, you know, we intentionally work on and try to be mindful of is not just laying all the responsibility for the wrapper or the you know the uh the, the newsletter or the information on one person but kind of try to overlap is that something that you would say yeah definitely mm -hmm. 
Oh, sorry, did I cut you off? No, no, that goes on it in, in your Emacs comp. Yeah, I, I would say that, you know, the thing is, even though we, w we were talking about Emacs comp today, there are many other things that I do with regards to Emacs. And one of them, which we could probably talk about one day, is the concept of Emacs workshops. Uh, they are inherited from Linux user groups, which is pretty much people meeting around uh, Linux stuff. And they talk about software. They talk about the cool stuff that they discovered lately. But we do have the same thing, the same concept of Emacs. And we do have all around the world in different big cities and big countries, we do have uh, events, sometimes on a monthly basis, sometimes on a bi-monthly basis, where people meet people from all different level, levels of expertise with regards to Emacs. Some of them are beginners. Some of them are seasoned veterans. Some of them are maintainers like me, are working on software and maintaining software. And some of them even have the actual Emacs uh, developers. So it makes for, you know, mm -hmm. we wanted to strategize this here. And I, I won't be too long. I'll swear. I'll, 30 more seconds and then I'm done. Um, <laughs> but we wanted to think about ways to make those meetings, make those workshops, both inviting to mm -hmm. people discovering Emacs, but also to the people who are a little more experienced. And we were, I attended many different uh, workshops. I, I was part of the one in Paris, Emacs Paris, but we also have one in New York. We also have one in Austin, Texas. We also have one mm -hmm. in um, San Francisco. You know, I attended many, many of them, even in Asia. And it's funny to see how by simply nudging people to be, you know, to tone down the level, you know, when they're being too technical to, to toss them, can you actually explain this particular function? Mm. And when they do, it feels like you're hooking more and more people into the discussion. And it's been a lovely experience and we could probably talk about this during an entire whole episode. Let's, so. let's have another episode about this, <laughs> this topic. Do you have people that kind of like get involved for like intensely for a short period of time and then drop off for a while or? We do, but what we are, what we try to do, I, I mentioned that we were about uh, 10 organizers for the Emacs Conf and we are about four regulars, the, uh, the kernel of the group. Well, the thing is, some of them are only joining two weeks prior to the event and they say, okay, uh, I'm really willing to help. I do not know what to do, but please give me work to do. And we know that those people are going to show up. So we do try to prepare in advance some kind of roles that we could hand off to people. I mean, more often than not, we're happy wearing three, five, six caps at a given time, you know, taking the time, to, to, taking in people, making sure that the stream is running properly. But, you know, we are always happy to say, oh, you want to help? So here, take a couple of my caps and run the show. But yes, we do have those people who are high burst of energy for a very short amount of times. And they are, they make valuable contributions, but you still, it still feels to me like you need to have a locomotive that is mm -hmm. kind of carrying the show years after years. Otherwise, you know, if you only have uh, pulses of energy, it doesn't feel like you're constructing <laughs> something. Exactly, yeah. All right. Uh, okay. Well, so any closing uh, thoughts here, uh, Pete? Uh, uh, other, than, other than that, Charlotte, could you bring up the invitation while Pete is composing his thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I um, you know, just I, I think there's uh, a lot of uh, common, uh, common themes in planning a conference and building a wiki. Um, you know, certainly I've run across many of the dynamics that Charlotte was talking about there as far as, um, you know, how, creating a space where different people bring different kinds of knowledge and, and, uh, and can help people work through 
you know, problems and, and, and solve problems uh, through a mailing list and in person and things like that. So very rich discussion. Thank you. Very cool. Yeah, certainly reminiscent issues of the Piragaji project. So yeah, um, just to flash up this URL, meet.jit.c slash Piragaji. We're going to have to end the live stream, but we will continue the discussion with that little after party uh, there. So anyone who's watching live can join us, uh, meet.jit.c slash Piragaji in a minute or so. Um, other than that, yeah, we're going to end now and see you next time. Thanks a lot. Um, thanks, everyone. Thanks, you guys thanks, are the thanks, best, Thanks, really. Charlotte. Very productive yes. like discussion. Thank you.